So it is Thanksgiving, well, it's November, but that means Thanksgiving is coming. Uh, the debate, the great debate has already begun on social media. When do you get your Christmas stuff out? This next little window is Thanksgiving. People couldn't wait for Halloween to be over to start breaking out Christmas trees. But it's November, and so for the next few weeks, we're actually going to talk about being grateful uh, and the power of gratitude in our lives leading right into Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving is Advent, so... If you're not a Christmas-focused person, you might want to start thinking about it. If you've done no Christmas shopping like myself, you might want to start thinking about it. Just, just throwing that out there, because we are on the edge of holiday season, for sure. Uh, costumes are back in the box. The candy shifts from pumpkin shape to some Christmas tree shaped or whatever, especially if you're a Reese's fan, just saying. Um, so what are you truly thankful for? Give that some thought for a second. Like, what are you truly grateful for? What are some things? There can be some major things, and there also can be some minor things. We've talked about spiritual disciplines a lot at Connection because I believe that spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices actually shape the direction of our heart. And so it bears in mind this idea that what we focus on matters. If you're like me and you make a 98 on a test, do you worry about the two points you missed? Anybody else can have some solidarity with that one? It's like, what did I miss? Right? We focus on the wrong, not the 98% correct. When I took the ACT in college, the first time I made like a 24, so I'm like, okay, I'll take it again. Then I made a 28. But like I, there was like one section that I did bad on, like, cool. If I take it one more time and just pull that one section up, that 28 will be up there. And so I took it again and made a 28. I pulled that section up, but another one slipped and it accomplished nothing. I put myself through it for the third. I was so focused on, what did I not get right? 28 is pretty good, I think, right? So I was like, ah, we tend to focus a lot on things we don't have or things we don't get or things that are, we want and still don't have yet or got wrong. And I would be honest, I will tell you this morning as we talk, talk about being gratitude, I believe that gratitude or being grateful is a spiritual discipline. Now normally when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we talk about what? Prayer, reading your Bible, fasting. Anybody a fan of that? Probably not this time of year, right? But there's this, I believe that being grateful or grat- practices of gratitude are actually a spiritual discipline too that can help us keep our heart from being so focused on what we don't have. And I think there are seasons in our life when that's what happens. When things are going really wrong, we get so hyper-focused in that direction. Like, man, this just this ain't working. And we miss and forget all that God has graciously provided in our life. <coughs> So 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 is where we're going to start today. And then we're going to spend a bunch of time in Colossians as well. But this is 16 through 18 of chapter 5. Three short verses. Paul says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's a short passage. You can almost memorize that pretty quick, right? Rejoice always. 
Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So Paul is talking to the Thessalonian church, obviously. He's winding up his letter, to first Thess- the first Thessalonian letter. And he is exhorting the church corporately to do those three things. Well, he's naming things. He's naming corporate practices for the church in a group sense. And he tells the church to always rejoice. Well, there's a focus. To be joyful in all circumstances. In another passage where he talks about this, even when you're facing adversity. So he says, be, rejoice always. Now, joy is different from happiness. Happiness is we won the ballgame Saturday night, which clearly we didn't. So nobody's happy right now, right? Happiness or circumstan- is circumstantial, right? We would all be happy if we were winning the Western Division like we did in 1998. We'd all be happy. That's tied to circumstance. Joy is a state of heart that has to do with contentment and peace regardless of circumstance. So when Paul says rejoice always, then you can be filled with joy no matter how Saturday goes. (laughs) Right? You can be filled with joy no matter what your life is looking like right now. You can be filled with joy no matter what your grades look like right now, your paycheck or your family situation. There is something in this, and Paul is commending the whole church as a discipline, as a group, to practice joy. Now, anytime he gives the church a discipline, obviously you can practice it personally too, right? So he says, rejoice always. Then he throws in the second one, pray without ceasing. We've talked about that before, but like, how do you pray like 24 <laughs> seven? Like, what, what does that mean to pray without ceasing, to, have, to never stop praying unless it is a discipline or an attitude of heart, a cultivation of a heart of prayer. When you're not thinking about other stuff, you're thinking about God, you're praying. An attitude of surrender toward God that comes out of the very... We talked about this before. You can do like little sentence prayers, like you're walking through the hallway at Mississippi State, and it's like, Lord, have mercy on me, for I did not study. You know, whatever. Like, you can pray little quick prayers. So you can have an attitude of prayer, a mindset of prayer that is an ongoing spiritual discipline as well. And then he throws in there the basis for what I think, gratitude is a spiritual discipline. Be thankful in all circumstances. Not just be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, that you would be grateful all the time. Thankful all the time. Gratitude practiced, and we'll get into some some practical practices for cultivating this in just a minute, but this idea that we should be grateful, that we should be thankful constantly. Praying constantly, filled with joy constantly. Is it possible those three things are connected? That if I have peace and joy because of my relationship with God, because I'm a part of a body of believers, if I have have that and that is the attitude and the state of my soul and I'm praying all the time, is it possible that make make it easier to be grateful all the time? And if I am constantly aware of all that Christ has done for me, wouldn't that give me more joy? They're interconnected. That's why he literally just fires them out in his letter. Be doing these three things. Here are three things that will cultivate the mind of your heart. Therefore, they're spiritual disciplines that we're supposed to practice. Things you wouldn't think of. Gratitude becomes a mindset or a state of your heart that shapes every aspect of your life. It does. 
When you cultivate gratitude, when you have a heart that is grateful to God for what he's done, it affects you mentally. It's an issue of perspective. Like I said, do you dwell on the three points you missed? you dwell on the one thing you didn't quite get right at work? Do you dwell on the one conversation that's just driving you crazy because you didn't say quite the right thing and you upset somebody? Do you dwell on that and so that your whole world is about how dark and terrible things are? Or do you, or you dwell on things that you've lost out on in the past? Or do you have a focus on opportunity for future? That you've lost this means you've been set free from it and now you can focus in a new direction. It affects your mindset. If you're not a grateful person and you think the whole world is out to get you, do you not think that affects Monday through Saturday as well? That if you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, if you're expecting things to go wrong, you are Charlie Brown. You're expecting Lucy to pull the football. If you're not old enough to understand that reference, that's okay. That just makes me old. If you expect to lose, if you expect to miss out, or you focus on what you have missed out on, what, does, what do you end up doing? Missing out on more. If you go through your early 20s with a life mission of finding a significant other, and without that you have no joy or peace, you miss your early 20s. And you realize... You spent all of that time focused on that and you missed out on other opportunities. I'm not talking about myself, I promise. So there's this idea that our, it shapes our mind too. Now think about this. Think about gratitude as a state of mind or gratitude as a state of heart and how it would affect you emotionally as well. Gratitude or gratefulness or thankfulness, honestly, is the exact opposite of disappointment. Envy, jealousy, that if your heart is not filled with gratitude, it'd be, be very easy for it to become filled with those emotions. Because if you're not if you don't grateful for what God's given you or for what you do have, what are you? You're jealous of what you don't have. One displaces the other. It works as a push and pull. If I'm thankful, I'm not jealous. If I'm full of joy and I'm content and I'm talking to God on a regular basis, I'm not worried about what I don't have because I know God will provide. I'm not envious of what somebody else has. I'm not going to be in despair of my circumstances because even when, we'll talk about this more next week, even when circumstances are tough, if I'm grateful for the opportunity to be, in this, be who I am and what God's given me, I can still have joy in the middle of those circumstances. So having an attitude, a gratitude, gracious heart, a grateful heart will actually pull against those things emotionally. Now, spiritually, how does cultivating gratitude affect your spiritual walk with God? I would say it's a foundational principle. Think about it. We talk about it in Scripture a lot. We talk about it when we sing praises. When we talk about it in church... What Christ did for us, we respond with what? Faith and gratitude. I think, I think uh, we'll talk about this verse last week, but Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
If that doesn't create gratitude in your heart, I need to read that verse again. That if you don't realize that you didn't do anything to earn God's love, you cannot do anything to earn his love and favor. That he did it in spite of who we are and how we live. That's the gospel. That when you understand that God demonstrated his love and gave himself for us in spite of our own desires, then we have every reason to be thankful, spiritually speaking. And by the way, I have a hard time with this. Maybe somebody else can, can relate. When people give you gifts this time of year, and you're like, hey, I have a hard time receiving gifts. Anybody else? Just, just me? No, y'all are like, give me some more gifts, Charlie. Like, I have a, when people do for me, Beyond, above and beyond what they're caught, what they what I think they ought to have to do for me, and this includes serving and volunteering too. When people, all the people, the worship team, everybody puts this service together, and they do all the stuff, they put in the hours, and they prepare, and they show up early, and they do things for the church. I just go, man, I do not deserve that because it's not about me anyway. I'm just grateful. I don't have to do all that myself. <laughs> but when somebody gives me a gift, sometimes I have a hard time receiving it. Not being grateful for it, but I just have a hard time, like, you don't have to. Does that make sense? I don't feel like I deserve it. But we have a relationship with God that's not based on what we deserve. And God loved us anyway and sacrificed himself anyway and made it possible for us to be in relationship with him anyway. We live for Christ because of what he's done out of gratitude. We are grateful for all He has done for us. It's not the other way around. We don't do it to get gratitude from God, where God gives you a big spiritual attaboy, you know, keep going. We do it because Christ first loved us. We respond to what He does for us out of gratitude, out of thankfulness for who He is and for what He's done. So if that's great, Charlie, I should have an attitude of gratitude. Hey, that rhymed. That was nice. I should have an attitude of gratitude. I didn't even think about that before right now. How do I cultivate that? How do I practice the spiritual discipline of gratitude? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I have several verses where Paul says several things in Colossians. I want to read these out. I may be jumping ahead by talking about cultivating it. So just bear with me. Paul, in most of his letters... If you read them, and you should. He launches into his letters lots of times with expressing gratitude for the saints. But in Colossians 1, he starts commending to them this idea of gratitude and being part of our faith life. This is verse, chapter 1, verse 9 through 13. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you, pray without ceasing, and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God, of the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him as you bear fruit in every good work as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all strength that comes from His glorious power and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while, joy, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints." He has rescued us by the, from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son.
Verse chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Two of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Because if you ever wanted, hey, what does a Christian look like? Right? Like just a basic short verse where you kind of understand what Christianity looks like in practice. This is Paul's words in Colossians 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, there's the first part, right? You have to do that. Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul, giving some basics, you received Jesus, you're not done. Now that you've received Jesus, continue to live, continue to be rooted, continue to grow spiritually, abounding in thanksgiving. For Paul, prayer, thanksgiving, and life of faith are all intertwined pieces of the puzzle. Chapter 3, verse. this is all Colossians. I should have just done a summary of the whole book of Colossians today. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell, richly, dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In everything you do, worship God with gratitude. Last one, chapter 4, verse 2. Paul again telling Christians what to do. Devote yourselves to prayer. Sound familiar? Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert, alert in it with, guess what? Thanksgiving. Prayer, thanksgiving, gratitude are all instrumental pieces of our relationship with God in heaven. So how in the world do we create that for ourselves? How do we practice that? Some practical things just to tie it in. A gratitude journal. I said practically speaking. If you were to make a daily practice of sitting down and listing all the things that you have been grateful for, that you are grateful for, just have this afternoon a piece of paper and just go as far as you can. And you might have to get micro, otherwise you'd be like, family, friends, God, Bible, I'm done. Come on, put some effort into it. Sunrises. Mississippi State. No, I'm just kidding. Like everything that you have some gratitude for, mom and dad, brother and sister. No, really, you should be grateful. Let me say it. Like make a list. Now, that's one afternoon. What if every day when you got up, you made a practice of thanking God for a couple of things? God, today I am thankful for this. And that's how you start your day. I've heard people pray this. God, thank you for waking me up this morning at the right time because I rolled my clock back or didn't have to because they're digital now or whatever. Like, <laughs> turn your clocks back. Y'all know they do them for you now, right? God, thank you for waking me up this morning. Such a simple statement. I've heard people pray that. And I go, wait a minute. It's true. The alarm clock woke you up, but you have life because God gave you another day. What if you start your day thanking God for what He's given you. And so you walk into work already full of joy, full of prayer, and full of thankfulness. The, the junk start doesn't weigh as heavy. And if you do this over time as a spiritual practice, as part of your, your quiet time, your spiritual rhythms with God or whatever, and it's a constant part. Remember, he said, 
Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. Give thanks for it in all circumstances. If that's your quiet time, that's a good day already. That's a good day already. It doesn't matter what happens because you have joy not based in circumstances because you've already talked to God. And because your heart's already focused on what He's given you, you're not worried about what you lose. Prayers of thanksgiving. What if in your prayer time you do what Paul says and you're praying without ceasing and you're constantly thanking God for all He's done, thanking God for the relationship that you have, thanking God for the conversations that you had, thanking God for every little thing. Just take the list you just made and start praying through that. <laughs> right? These are connected. Hey, if you do a prayer, if you do a gratitude list... You can put that in your Bible, and when you read your Bible, it's like, hey, I'm going to pray for the, I'm going to thank God for these four things today. This is very simple, straightforward stuff. I get it, but we don't tend to think about it as a spiritual practice. And then the third thing you can do is live from that attitude of gratitude. Hey, it rhymes. So cool. You can live from a heart that's grateful and express that gratitude toward others. Or toward God. Extended time of personal worship. A greater commitment to your church life. Hey, I'm so grateful to have a church that loves me and cares for me and walks with me spiritually. I'm going to do what I can to see it grow and thrive out of gratitude. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church community that loves me. I'm going to do something for it because I am because I'm grateful. Not to get the but because I'm grateful, I'm going to sacrifice. Begin to think and to reflect on what God's done for you as a regular part of your daily rhythm. Now, you're listening to this sermon, you're like, that's cool, I'll think about that later today. I'm going to give you some homework anyway to up the, up the odds a little bit, up the stakes a little bit. In a couple of weeks... <laughs> so the week before, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, assuming you are here, we're going to spend some time actually sharing amongst each other what we are grateful for. So I commend you to start thinking about that. Those of you who don't like speaking in public, it's okay. We're not going to force you. All right? But begin to think, man, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. It could be small. <laughs> I've, this morning, I'm grateful for the ability to walk. I'm dealing with like, y'all know what plantar fasciitis is? It's a, it hurts to walk, okay? It's pain in your foot. I'm dealing with that. I'm walking around on stage with it going, I'm not hurting right now. I am thankful. But once you have something like that, or I lost, I, I, I have pulled a, pulled. <laughs> I had a torn retina back in May. I'm so grateful for eyesight. You could get as small on this cultivation of gratitude as you possibly can. If you're going to do it for 30 days, you're going to have to be like, well, I'm thankful for not just thankful for soft drinks, I'm thankful for Coke. I mean, you're going to have to like, you're going to have to dig, right? But think about what that does in your soul. To start writing out, thinking out, praying out, thanking God for everything He has given you. Mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. You're a different person. Spiritual disciplines shape who you are. And you're in a relationship with God because of the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, for us. Let us be thankful because of God's gift of grace and forgiveness. Not because of something we've done, but because God loved us so much that Christ died for us. 
You know, I read, I read when I read uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. The Greek under that word is the Greek word eucharisto. If you've been around church at ever, that word ought to sound familiar. It's what we call communion. We call it the Eucharist. It's based out of the same word. That's why we call communion the great thanksgiving. Give thanks in all circumstances. Live in a heart with a heart of Eucharist. The basis for our relationship. We come to the communion table because of what Christ did out of love for us. As we enter into that time this morning, we're going to do things a little bit differently than we do at Connection sometimes. We have a prayer in our tradition called the Prayer of Confession. And it's a call and response prayer, so the words will be on the screen. Different from the little, It's separate from the little sheet. We'll get to the little sheet in a minute. I'll explain that. But let's confess our prayers together. All right? Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Read these words with me, if you can. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Take just a moment to confess your sins before God. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. You have a sheet with you that's not on the screen for our communion. Great, this, it is the prayer of great thanksgiving that we will do together. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image. And breathe into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, 
and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through resurrection of your Son from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. When, your Lord, when, your Lord, when the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and the Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took the bread. He broke it, gave some to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out to you for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, on the day, Lord God, on the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Your church has continued in that breaking of bread and sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The communion table is not a Methodist table. It is a table of invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ, a display of His grace in our life for which we live a life of gratitude, filled with joy and constant prayer. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite those who are helping to serve communion to come forward. And Aaron, will you help me serve the elements today? <laughs> I forgot to ask. <laughs> and then when we do, the table will be open for you to come when your heart is ready. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so grateful. We are so thankful for all that you do and have done for us for sending your son to live, to die, and to be resurrected for our sin. As we come to this table this morning, we pray your grace and peace on our life. And we trust you for salvation. You are our reason for hope. In Christ's name, amen.